Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm so, so thrilled to be joined on Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast, Season 2, with Dermot and Dave of Today FM, my absolute two favourite men to listen to on the radio. Thank Don't you. Don't tell Ryan Tuberty because I recorded with him last week. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't tell him that, but you guys are... Well, he can be uh, your favourite TV guy, and we can oh, be your favourite radio enough. guys. Okay, that's fair, that's fair. Yeah. So thank you so much for, for joining me. I've wanted to sit down with you guys for ages for a number of different reasons. Number one, I know we'd have to crack. Number two, I have been listening to you guys for so long and obviously the nature of your show is very enjoyable light-hearted fun it's just it's a tonic but at the same time listening to it it sounds like you guys are just have no cares in the world or no worries and I know that behind <laughs> See, that's only. not necessarily the truth but you do it so well that it just seems so carefree and, and we and, hate each other really like. <laughs> anxiety would it be fair to say has been a feature of either of your lives yeah, it yeah. certainly has for me, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think you could go into any place in media, be it a radio station or a theatre or anywhere where, where there's performance mm. and and find somebody who hasn't mm. had anxiety in their life. I mean, it's, I think it's part and parcel of, of the media business. There, there's a lot of it. A constant... Um, performance that word mm. like that that you're like you talk about like you, it sounds like we're always having fun mm. and everything and that's true because we have to when those red lights go on and the microphones go up like okay there are times when you can bring a lot of yourself or you can talk about a topic that demands some kind of you know real honest mm-hmm. raw emotion that could be a negative motion or a positive motion but 99 percent of the time Dermot and I our job is to have fun play some tunes have a chat you know make everyone feel happy so and you might not always be in that mood. No, but but if, but even if but if but if you're not, it's if you project that just because you feel a bit crappy or whatever, you're you're not going to be employed to do the type of thing we do for very long. You might do something mm. else, but but you won't be employed to just have fun and do that kind of lighthearted entertainment mm. show. Yeah. But with two of us, it's easier because mm. one person can bring the other person up, and it can go the other way. <laughs> um, but generally, the, the you know you'll be brought up. When you get in there. And I think it is the hardest part of radio. And I suppose in any, again, any type of performance, you know, you have to sort of at times deny that authenticity of how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And you do have to put on a a happier face or a mask for that particular day. But oftentimes you can have an an awful lot of things going on in your outside life. I mean, we've been working together so long. We've seen babies being born, um, our own babies. Like, There's a great feature on the show. (laughs) It was midwifery. You know. um, Marriages and and buying houses. Parents dying and and that kind of thing. So, I mean, there's the ups and downs of life every day you're bringing in with you. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes the actual, the space of the studio and that space with your best mate is actually a place of relief. Mm. So you can go in there and you know that when that door shuts and the light goes on, that actually you can you've a few hours of just having a bit of fun That's and amazing. and actually yeah. getting 
out of yourself for a couple of hours and then, you know, you know all the stuff will still be there when you go home. So mm-hmm. um, so it, it kind of works both ways. It can it, It's a space that can bring you up, but it's also a space that can put a lot of pressure on mm-hmm. you. And yes, it will amplify any underlying anxieties that you may have brought to the table. Nothing like a red light that says, <laughs> live, go. To, yeah, to really bring some stuff. I mean, and our, does that still get you the red light? I mean, you mentioned performance and media. I presume you don't feel anxiety about your day-to-day role anymore. I think it's always there. There's yeah. always going to be something that will knock you out of your comfort zone. And just mm. when you think there's nothing that can shake me, something else comes up. My first experience was I, I started working in radio. I was always very shy. And actually, I used to work in film kind of behind the scenes. And I I recently met somebody who said, um, God, I couldn't believe that you ended up having such a public career, you know, on the radio and TV and, you know, comedy and all that. Because when I knew you, you were so shy, it was really hard to talk to you. And now I wasn't aware at the time that I was a very kind of shy and anxious person, but... In my 20s, I, I was. And I remember when I got my first job in radio, I was OK for, at the start. But then I was reading news bulletins. That was my first gig. And I remember going to talk one day and my voice just not coming out. The words just got softer and softer until there was no noise. And my news editor was looking at me going, what is happening to you? And I was looking at him with my eyes saying, I don't know what's happening to me. me. And it was only years later that I realised, actually, that that was actually an anxiety event or mm. attack is a very strong word um, that you know and I suppose there were moments then punctuated throughout my life that only looking back in recent years I went actually I was and possibly am quite an anxious person mm. you know so it's I think it's always there and I know David's had his experiences yeah I kind yeah. of I was the opposite I was I was the super confident man all the way through growing up teenager 20s no problem and working radio with Dermot from 2002. And somewhere along the way in my 30s, I just, I developed these anxiety events. And I I, I never investigated where they came from. Because really? the, the person that I was dealing with them with wasn't interested in that, was only interested in, in dealing with the event, the now, which I actually found really useful. Okay. Um, so I think mine manifested themselves in those kind of, uh, my heart rate would just elevate hugely. So like a panic attack. Yeah. Even well, if it's a scary word. It yeah, can, exactly. It can be very, like, unassuming. You know, you could look at someone and not know they're having a panic attack. Like mm. for me, it could just be this feeling in my chest that rises of, of and it's a release of the hormones that have nowhere to go. So yeah. I don't think it's that you have to be flapping around. No, no, no. Know. Definitely not having some yeah. kind of a fit or something. Yeah. yeah. But uh, mine, I suppose, the reason that mine kind of, got a stronghold was because of the fact that I talk on the radio mm-hmm. and mine really seemed to affect my talking. Like it was like heart rate up, you know, like um, vo- throat tightened and it was like, uh, I can't, you know. And it really I just, affects your voice when you're anxious. Yeah, and then yeah. all I wanted to do was that f- flight or fighting mm-hmm. was just flight. I was like, and if I can get out of this situation, even for five seconds, I'll come back and, and be able to do it. And I, I hid that for a while from anybody uh, not for my wife, she was well able to to read me. But yeah, just uh, one day, like it just, I remember we were doing something on the show and I kind of, uh, cop, you know, I ha- I, it happened. I was like, oh my God, this never happened on air. Like, you know, mm. and, and it, I coughed and I grabbed water and we bailed out of something or whatever. And with two people again, and the nature of our show, it was fine, played a song. And then he Thank was, God for music. Yeah. <laughs> Dermot was like, able to hit that button. I, I, like I fear for people who have talk shows oh God. where there's nothing except possibly an ad break. But what if you've just played one? Yeah. And you're like, and um, ooh, it's nowhere <laughs> so to go. True. And if you've no co-host to just pick up the slack. Yeah, you yeah know? because that, that was because I just immediately then just spoke to Dermot and said, look, what happened today was this kind of anxiety thing that I'm dealing with, that I'm, I'm having at the moment. And, and did you know, you didn't know why you were feeling it? No, and it's been really difficult to pinpoint a kind of a cause. Like a lot of them were were when I was leading a link. But then by the same token, I would lead 55 links in two weeks or three months and it would never happen. And then it would just happen. It just got into your head. So, yeah, so I couldn't, I could never kind of say, oh, it's when I do a certain type of thing. It would probably have a little kind of characteristic that, well, it was the bit where you were doing loads of the talking. Yeah, that's true. I can kind of see that, whatever. But then five minutes later, I'd do it and it wouldn't be a problem. Five minutes, mm-hmm. you know, an hour later, I'd do it. I, I couldn't really ever pinpoint 
what the triggers were. And did you step back? I mean, like maybe something triggered you in work, like such as doing a link, but did you step back and look at your life and think, is there anything going on in my life right now that might be giving rise to anxiety? Were you a parent at that stage? Yeah, yeah. I was. Because I'm yeah. sure that's a huge, and I want to ask you about that because yeah. I'm not a parent yet. And yeah. people ask me all the time about parenting anxiety. I'm like, I can't help you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was a parent. No, no, I didn't. Um, I don't, no, I did with my with a, with a parent. So I did some CBT. Oh, amazing. Um, and then very quickly moved out of CBT, but moved into just therapy sessions, just just talking. And yeah, you talk about your life and you talk about being a parent, you talk mm-hmm. about your marriage, you talk about your work marriage. But like, as she would always say to me, she would like, like, you're not telling me anything that's making me think, oh, you know, the, mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like, so let's deal with the anxiety. Like, yeah. and I think the, the, the kind of moment of power I had that let me deal with it the best was when I need to accept anxiety, that it's actually a part of functioning and that we needed it when we were being hunting things and looking out for things that could, could get us. And we also need it today when you're crossing the road. It's why you don't walk in front of a bus because mm-hmm. you have a level of anxiety. And the way we kind of worked on it was that she, we developed an analogy where the volume was turned up on my anxiety. So that I needed to just turn the volume down to still main like anxiety is going to be part of you. It should be, not that oh I've got to stop like, stop being anxious, get rid of anxiety. So we kind of never used those terms, and it was always just the volume is up on your anxiety. You need to learn how to turn it down with tools and CBT and whatever we use to do that. And it that's kind of how I. I won't say I mastered it because it's still there at the odd well, time. Well, you're owning you know. it. But, yeah, no, you're right. That's, <laughs> it's, it's a, it is such a great name for the podcast because I think people do often go, I must get rid of anxiety. Yeah. But it's like, no, like it, it, it is part of your psychological makeup. Yeah, you don't want too much of it. Mm. Same way you don't want too much confidence. You don't want too much fear or whatever it is, but you need some of it to, to just... Do you think that people are always, if someone messages me and they're experiencing really bad anxiety, they're on myself as well, always racing to find something to blame it on, such as some big isolated event that would have triggered it. And sometimes in life, it can just be, it can be you've had too much coffee. It can be just that you're stressed. Like you say, the volume is just turned up for whatever reason. And a lot of the time with, with myself anyway, it was that stress just built up and up and up. And it was totally innocuous stress, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there. And suddenly I was reacting to things a little bit more on edge and panicked than I normally would have. And I was like, well, there's no reason for this. Would you guys be aware now that stress can kind of very easily veer towards anxiety if you're not sort of looking after because I know Dermot you do look at you do a lot of meditation and stuff and that kind of thing is that more as a preventative method uh it is and it was also kind of my escape and Dave meditates uh, daily as well so um I just have taken it a bit further and that I teach it now but for me you know there were a few incidents that really pointed me in the direction of I yeah, you need to find tools here to to help yourself mm-hmm. because I was like most people, the only thing we're ever taught, you know, the only tool we're given as teenagers is alcohol. Yeah, and, that's on, the, and just a chat with your dad, get on with it. Yeah, yeah. sort of cop yeah. on, have a pint, you'd be grand. And that's what we see adults do, you know, and, and that's what kids still see adults doing is, is at the end of a stressful day and you see it in TV shows, you know, the, you know, the Don Draper type comes in, opens his bottle of hard liquor and mm-hmm. pours himself a glass and, and that's how he copes with stress. And I think for many people... They, you know, we never learn any other tools unless we actually seek them out. So for me, I found meditation by chance, actually, because I was asked to launch a woman's book um, who's now one of my close friends. But she was she's an author and she was launching her book and I just moved into an area and she said, oh, I see you've moved in. Would you mind launching my book? And then I learned that she was a meditation teacher. So I said, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll do swapsies and uh, I'll do your launch if you teach me meditation. Um, so that's how I got into it. And So it was more out of interest then to sort of solve a problem that you were dealing with? Yeah, I mean, I, I had some, I suppose I've had more extreme incidents than Dave. Mm. But I suppose I don't think on a, on a daily basis where our anxieties kind of are, yeah. are a bit different in that. Um, that on a kind of day-to-day level, they don't bubble up maybe, but exactly what you're saying, I am now hyper aware of the things that I sh- I need to avoid in mm-hmm. order to, you know, to avoid the, the big incidents and the big build-up of stress and then anxiety, you know, so... Um, and that's only something you can really become aware of when you've sort of gone to the point of burnout or gone through on the hot coals of whatever it is that triggers you and then know, like I know now if I take on too much work-wise, I'm going to suffer for it. So I have to kind of 
lean in and out of it and, and you know, plan days off or plan days where I just do nothing or evenings where I do nothing and then know that I'll, I'll be able to cope for the busy times. But it's just, it's kind of like noticing the train coming and getting off the tracks before it gets to you. Yeah, that's exactly it. And it's that little build up. I mean, um, you know, I think it was about 2008, I arrived into the Kilkenny Comedy Festival, which I was performing at in an ambulance because I had had such a massive panic attack, wow. which I didn't realise what was happening at the time. On the way that I ended up having to pull my car in, I felt like there was somebody sitting on me. I started hyperventilating. My limbs went into spasm. You know, I thought I was, I thought I was dying. And, you know, is there anyone listening to this podcast who's gone through an anxiety, a proper panic attack? It's terrifying. Um, so, you know, even at that time, I eventually got into the ambulance, arrived in, into the town, was brought to the hospital. They covered me in monitors and, you know, and measured everything. And then they went, you just had a panic attack. Here's a brown paper bag. You'll be grand. And was that a relief to you? Um, I think I was just kind of confused. But as most people do, and particularly men, I went, sure, I'll be grand. Pulled all the monitors off, got dressed, okay. went into town and performed stand-up for wow. three nights. You know, and, and essentially learned nothing from, mm. the, from the experience <laughs> until years later, you know, so... Even when we're faced with these big events... Your body was trying to tell you something. Yeah, yeah. and I I still didn't say, wow, I have anxiety issues. I just went, maybe I haven't burned the candle a bit both ends because I had been out the night before. So now I know my triggers. Like, not enough sleep is a big one for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Coffee, definitely alcohol. Um... And and over committing to things, and obviously, and, and that time I had I'd had the stress of the, of doing stand up comedy. So, I know the things that I kind of have to avoid, and you know, and we know each other so well. Dave knows totally. the stuff that I have to avoid, and I know situations that he's not going to be comfortable in. So mm. it's nice to be able to work oh, together on it. Like that's what I did want to say is that like, you you end up with life partners, so you end up with your your best mate, your parents, your brothers and sisters, and obviously your wife. But like, he and I are so lucky. And I really count my blessings every day that like I have him in my corner because the job that we do, as as we said earlier on, like people who have talk shows, people who are single hosts, like you can't afford an anxiety attack, no. it, you know, because what what you're listening to listen to you and go, what's going on? You know, now there's ways of, you know, covering that kind of stuff. But certainly when I spoke to Dermot about my anxiety and, you know, the first thing he said to me was anytime there's any issue, I'll talk. So if you feel like this is coming on, look at me, wave at me, do whatever. Mm-hmm. And he he now can actually, he can actually sometimes read them before I'm even aware anything's That's happening. Amazing. Like, and he'll look at me and he'll go, you okay? And I go, yeah, I'm totally fine. Oh no, I'm not having anxiety. Okay, yeah. And then, and then it's grand. And often actually talking about it dissipates it for me. Well, exactly. So together you've created a safe space where you're normalizing it with each other. So totally. even if you go into into the studio and you're feeling really anxious, you're not worrying about what Dermot will think of you. So you can just say, I'm feeling it, but let's carry on with the show. Like you can still be professional. And that was a huge thing for me was to be able to go home to my husband and say, oh, I had a sandwich today. I had a panic attack. And he's like, okay, like what's, instead of being like, oh my God, what's yeah. wrong with you? To be like, what's, is there, what's the one thing we can do now to make yourself feel a little bit better? Instead of, so normalizing it just totally dissipated it. And Dermot's kind of journey into meditation and self-care, which had begun before I had ever kind mm-hmm. of experienced anything like this, was so good at normalizing that for me. And, and Brezzy is another friend of mine and he, he was also really instrumental at the time when I started to experience these kind of bigger events they weren't as big as what Dermot's describing but they were certainly bigger to me seeing that Dermot had gone through meditation and had you know stood stood in front of me and said yeah look I'm really struggling with this and I'm doing this to combat it and and I need this time and whatever it was so normal to me then to be able to go great I need to find help and Niall Rezzy was like look Mm. you know try meditation try CBT and and so there were people around me who had already normalize all of those things that I wasn't, you know, a lone mm-hmm. guy in a room full of testosterone going, I might need help over here, you know, which I think could be really tough. Absolutely. If you didn't have people around you who had kind of laid the path and gone, look, looking after your mental health is as important as anything else. We, like that wasn't a thing. No, you know, it wasn't. Age has a lot to do with it as well. Yeah. I think, you know, you can get away with so much if you're a kind of a high energy person anyway. But I think eventually age will go, do you know what this, you know, your energy out levels are just too high to sustain now. You could do that in your 20s and you could do it in your 30s, but you can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's definitely a lot more about balance now and that our job 
dictates that by its very nature, it's energy out. I mean, you're literally coming out in sound waves, you know, for three hours. So there's got to be checks and balances, you know. So for instance, before I came here, I knew I was doing this and this is more energy out and we've literally just finished our show. So I found a quiet space, put on my noise cancelling headphones, some calming music and just sat and that I had my sandwich in that kind of environment because mm-hmm. I knew that if I started looking at my phone and then started thinking about, you know, coming in here and all the other things that I had to do during the day, I, that would just again be that slow build up of, of stress that you mentioned, you know, so... Well, that's brilliant because you're you're looking after yourself on the good days. And I think that's an area that I really struggle with is that when I feel a wave of anxiety coming, I'm, I'll am i take out, you know, all of the, pull out all the stops. I reduce my caffeine intake, sugar intake, no alcohol. I will prioritize sleep and everything. And I'm, you know, meditating and doing all these things. And as soon as I feel fine, I'm like, whatever. Like, that's not me. I'm so bad. I guess it's like being organized and being committed to it is that I don't want to know about it when I feel good. And I actually, when people say, oh, like you have anxiety. And I'm like, no. Like I did last week, but I, but I don't, I'm fine. So I think it's so important. And I'm always saying this, but I'm, I'm preaching it without necessarily following through is that it's, it's not enough to sit down and listen to meditation when you're on the verge of a panic attack because it won't work for you. It's, it's training yourself to get to that point of relaxation and bringing everything down to, to zero and, and the checks and balances and everything so that when it does go off the Richter scale, you can, you can bounce back quicker, right? Yeah, and I mean, all the science behind meditation and anything like that, it, it it all shows that you need the, the number of days that pops up a lot is 56 days. So if you meditate consistently for a half an hour for 56 days, your brain will actually start to change its wow. shape and your amygdala, your fear center will get smaller and the rest of your brain, the gray matter that looks after spatial awareness and memory and all that will start to grow. So from a science point of view, even, you know, all the science says you need to do it every day and you need to do it for a minimum of that length of time to start to see changes. Now, we're human though, you know, and mm-hmm. it is, you know, so many of us are what's called crisis meditators where, <laughs> you know, you're cool, like you say, and everything's brilliant. And then you go, oh God, I've got this big presentation coming up or whatever it is. I've got to do this gig. And suddenly you're, oh, um, yeah. but it's too late because <laughs> your, your heart rate's over <laughs> 100. And you're like, God, you know, but again, the whole, you know, you're, you're into not beating yourself up then. Mm-hmm. And that for me, that was such a massive part of it was that inner critic that, you know, I'm sure you've talked about mm-hmm. many times in your podcast is, that voice that's constantly giving out to us, you know, and, and for me, that's a, a major cause of, of anxiety and has been. So I've spent many years making friends with that voice and, and um, trying to change those words in my head to more positive ones. You I know? found it so interesting on the subject of like self-compassion to learn because I'm all, always about the science and the, the brain. And if, it can, if you can see your brain changing, then I'm all for it. And I was reading about Dr. Kristen Neff talking about um, self-compassion and how when we have that very self-critical voice in our head saying, oh, you should be better, you should do that, we think it's kind of self-motivating, but actually it does the opposite and it raises your cortisol levels. Whereas when you swap that out for self-compassion and you say, okay, like, how can I help? Or you're doing okay, you actually bring up oxytocin and bring down cortisol. So for me, I was like, when I when I read the signs of it, I was like, hold on a second, stop being so hard on yourself because you're actually making it so much worse and start to be be your own friend. And like, as, as kind of silly as that sounds sometimes, it's actually having a biological effect on your body. That's it. Like, like Dermot's so into the science because he, he teaches it and he's constantly getting more and more qualifications and stuff and I slag him a lot about it, but it is amazing what he's doing. And because of a black belt in karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> but things like, for example, like, treat, like we use the term mental health, which I think is a good term, right? Because it's the health of your mental state, yeah. whatever. But like mental fitness or mental strength is also mm-hmm. something that doesn't get used enough, I think, just in terms of a, a an explainer term to people who maybe have never given it any thought. Like I haven't ever given it a thought. I just sailed through life, could have been happier. And if you want to get fit and stay strong and be healthy and whatever, you have to eat right and you have to go to the gym or do whatever workout you do or play five-a-side or cycle a bike Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, right? And everybody understands that if I eat pizza and sit in the couch, I'm going to get fat. Everyone understands that. But people don't really put the same equation into their mental health in the fact that the brain, as Dermot said, can actually physically be altered. That the the hormone makeup in your system can be altered if you stay on top. If you if you work at the fitness of your your internal structures, not just are my biceps big enough? Yeah. You know, oh, today's back day. Well, when is cortisol day? Like yeah. or anti cortisol day? When is 
meditation. Like, it, it, I think that th- those analogies uh, for people that have come to me and asked about meditation because they know I meditate or, you know, I, I've said to them, look, think about it like going to the gym for the for your brain, for your mind. Like, it's so true. And even if that is turning it off, mm-hmm. you know, or attempting to turn it off and obviously thoughts do come or whatever, like that to me was such a kind of a, a revelatory way of looking at it was going, yeah, like this is exactly the same as doing lat pull downs is doing meditation. Like, you know, you need to give your mind the credit that you give your muscles. Like, it's exactly the same part of your body. It just, it needs work, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think I was guilty of that as well, where if you take that analogy with the mind and body, I was kind of waiting until there was an injury before I addressed it. And we all have mental health and we all need to look after it all the time. I'm really happy to talk to you guys being men that you are, because for my first years, I talked to a lot of women and I noticed this trend when people were starting messaging me on Instagram or reaching out about the book or the podcast, that women would always sort of tag me publicly and and at me and take pictures of the book and be like, find this really helpful for my anxiety. And it started to come across like it was more of an issue for women. But men were messaging me just the amount, just the same amount, but they were doing it privately. And they were saying, my girlfriend lent me your book or or got that for me. They weren't going out and buying it, but they were coming to it in in another way. And they were reaching out to me on a much more quieter level. And I was like, okay, men and women are actually experiencing it probably just to the same extent, but we're dealing with it in completely different ways. So I'm wondering, I mean, it's amazing to hear you guys talk so openly about mental health and being aware of mental fitness as well as you are physical fitness, but like an awful lot of men don't even want to know about it until they're in a situation where they have to address it. Would you Would you agree? Absolutely. Even look at the men to women ratio in any of the talks that I would give or attend. Mm-hmm it's generally 80% women. And I think that's kind of being generous to the men. I, sometimes, it, you, you know, in a room of 100 people, you might have two men, you mm-hmm. know. So definitely, in my experience, women are far more open. Um, what do you think and, that is? Um, I don't know about this sort of the old, you know, the social conditioning cliches, you know, women mm-hmm. are more inclined to talk and share their feelings. That's, you know, it's been proven over the years. Um, and guys maybe are feel under pressure to be more providers and I realize yeah. this could be totally sexist. And But I, I don't really know the exact reason why. All I know is when I look at a room, it's mostly women. And if mm-hmm. I'm either talking or, or sitting in the audience, even doing, you know, some of the sharing exercises you may do in, in some of those events, the men clearly would, would crawl out, of, you know, out the broken window mm-hmm. to get away from those kind of situations. So I do, I, I don't think that there are more women that suffer with anxiety and that's why the men aren't there. I, I think we're moving into a space where men are feeling a bit more open about it. But mm-hmm. I, I do agree, Any, anyone who contacts me um, me, who are men, would be very private about it and would mm-hmm. like to get it sort of done and dusted. Like, can you fix me in a few weeks and we don't have to tell anyone? <laughs> yeah. You know, but, I, you know, I, even that I welcome because I say, look, the fact that you're reaching out yeah. to me or Dave or whoever, you know, any professional mm-hmm. or, or reaching out to anybody, that's a brilliant place to yeah. start, you know, and even if... And, you know, I say anyone who comes and I love seeing men at my own talks that I'm giving because I'm like, look, I get it. The fact that you're here, the fact that you walked in the door probably on your lunch hour and sat down in this room, that's an amazing step. Even if you got up and, and left, that's more than you did up until now. And it, it shows an, a self-awareness and a desire to get better, mm-hmm. you know, or to improve yourself, even if you don't have, you know, chronic anxiety. But... Um, and I say, look, if all that you manage to learn here is that taking some time out for yourself and preferably sitting in silence, if that's all you get, forget the meditation part. If you just sit, if you normalize finding silence in your day and that's all you get from it, then you're winning. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Um, I do think that men probably need a little bit more encouragement than women. I think women are more likely to stick with something, particularly in this area, um, just in my own experience. So I think get the, the major step is getting the man across the door into a position to talk about it. Or, is that admittance as well of, of there being a weakness? Yeah, like, yeah. that is and the gender thing. It is. Like, and, and, you know, we can be as... 2019 as we want but the reality is men and women are different like and patriarchy has existed for years and we've been expected to be certain things and women have been expected to be certain things and that's changing not quickly enough but it's changing but yeah you, there is definitely a feeling of like you know about this because yeah. I'm I'm Dave mm. Ooh, like I'm I'm fine I'm I'm provider I'm man I'm strong or whatever like and you know you would quite easily go like I broke my leg in 2010 and I never showed up about it and I'm yeah. like I broke my leg in 10 places and dislocated my ankle I've got pins in my leg you know I was like I go yeah it's like what they're I'm, exactly the same like, I do you think know what I mean? I've been really interested in this and why why there's stigma around mental health versus physical health and I think I've, this is not based on any research, but just my, my gut instinct is that physical health, if something goes wrong, it kind of happens to you. Like mm. your leg got broken. It wasn't your choice. It wasn't your fault. Whereas mental health, we sort of feel like we should have control over. And that if you're not in control of your mental health, what are you, crazy or something? Mm. And that's terrifying to people. So I think to me, that makes sense. So I, you're exactly right. Like I will easily say, well, I actually, I will easily say now that I'm anxious. I've done it enough times. But back in the day, oh, I'm, I'm going to go home early. I've, I think I have food poisoning. But I wouldn't be like, I'm a bit overwhelmed. Yeah. I'm going to get out of here. So yeah. I, I do think like we've come a long way with the stigma of mental health, but there's still a long way to go, especially for men. Because like you say, I still think there is that cultural conditioning of men feeling like providers and even you're both dads now as well, which I say, like my dad recently, he got upset. Um, my our family dog died and I, he was, my dad was really upset and I found it so hard seeing my dad upset because he's the man of the house. He's my dad. He's a strong man. He doesn't have a... Mo- he wouldn't get like that about a human, to be honest. But, <laughs> and there, there is that pressure then being a dad as well, that your your kids are relying on you for that support and that strength. So, and I, I think that's one of the reasons why particularly men in their 40s mm. experience it a lot. Because you think in your 20s and 30s, when I get to my 40s, I'll be sorted. You know, I'll, I'll know myself so well, I'll be totally sorted. But I think that added, it's the pressure for a lot of men of, oh my God, all these people are relying on me, yeah. you know, and certainly for me and Dave, you know, we're, we're the main breadwinners at home and our, our wives are absolutely amazing moms, but the financial burden is on us. And so that's an added pressure for a lot of men in particular. I know mm-hmm. all households are different, but it's that feeling of I'm the linchpin and like, if if there's something wrong with me, oh, then everybody suffers. Yeah. So then there's this more pressure. It increases the stress, but then it also makes it less likely that you're going to want to share it because you think, well, if, if, if it gets out that I'm not in control of my, I haven't got my house in order, you know, what's going to happen then? Yeah, you know, so And I, how, how did things change for you guys when you're obviously so much more self-aware now having gone through these things, um, but do you feel comfortable now with that vulnerability, even with your family and with your wife, that you can take down the the shackles of what it what the father figure, the man of the house figure, and be like, look, I'm I'm feeling these things too. With my wife, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, like she was my first part of call when any of this happened, and I think that uh, honesty is is vital because she's hundred percent in my corner, mm-hmm. and like a word from her or like a hug from her going out the door is like will set me up for weeks. You know what I mean? Like that stuff is. 
that stuff is second nature and it really helps. But the kids thing is interesting. I haven't actually really given it much thought, but I suppose like I would be the dad, you know, and I would be quite happy to give out and, and be that voice that is usually quite calm and level. But if I'm getting angry about something, they know about it. But at the same time, I hope and I, and I can think back to certain instances and stuff where I've certainly opened up about emotions particularly I've got one particular child who's a very emotional child and I'll never have to worry about him because he wears his emotions yeah. on his sleeve all the time. And I, he'll walk to me and go, I'm so sad. And you go, brilliant. <laughs> the other one's looking around going, are you yeah. telling me something that you're not, you know. Um, but certainly I've, you know, I've tried to explain to him that that I don't have all the answers. You know, I don't want to ruin his illusion of his dad or whatever or, you know, make him be worried at all. But to explain that it's okay to feel a certain way and I've done that with him and I'm trying to do it with the other gang who are a bit younger as well, as they grow up and go, look, it's totally fine to feel X, feel Y, you know, not to feel like you want to do it. Like we're not, you know, that thing of like, I'll go out with your friends and do whatever. And like sometimes, you know, one of them just goes, I don't want to. Like, oh, you're just being lazy. You know, then going, hang on a sec, maybe he's not being lazy. You know, mm. maybe she's not. Why does she not want to go to her friend's house? You know, sit down with her and just kind of have a little conversation and just find out what's going on inside their heads and getting them to try and talk as openly as possible because at that age they will if if you foster it you know what mm. I mean so and Dave's wife's been hugely helpful to me <laughs> she has <laughs> like, no, he couldn't do it without her I'm joking no yeah we're, we're <laughs> just a hug you know yeah sure, uh, sure I need to get one of these hugs <laughs> <laughs> I think it's about the third Dave's wife joke I've made today just because she's usually so cold so. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think a big issue for people as well, and and certainly for me is is the the Instagramification of happiness, you know, and this everything's about. It was even the cafe I was just in was like happiness. You you know, be happy. And you know, some days we aren't. Yeah. You know, and I think it's definitely more about you know that is quite an American phrase, but that authenticity. You know, if you feel crap it's okay, you know. And sometimes I think people are having a bad day. They go on social media and they see an Instagram account that's like, hey guys, it's all about happiness and, you know, some slogan and a picture mm. of a kitten or something. And <laughs> it just piles on more pressure. And people are like... Sorry, well, I'll stop posting kitten yeah. pictures. Okay, fine. <laughs> but people are like, well, I, I should be happier. The yeah. whole world seems to be happy. They're telling me they're happy. You know, and no, it, it's what you... What you're supposed to be is human and yeah. there will be days when you feel sad or you're going to feel angry or, um, you know, you might anxious or fearful or whatever it is. And that's OK. What's great to get are some tools like meditation or, or being in nature or whatever it is that you want that can help you navigate those. And, and if you are feeling fearful or angry, that you don't stay in that state for a prolonged period of time. And that's where anxiety Mm -hmm. really starts to build where um, if we do have a bit of fear or a bit of nervousness about something or something is getting us down, the fact that we don't move out of that state and it starts to become chronic and then we become anxious over long periods of time and that's when it gets really, really hard. So it's finding the things that is making yourself feel that it's okay. It's okay today. You know what, today I'm not feeling great. You know, I feel sad and I can't even explain it. And I don't have to explain what I feel sad. But what I do know is that I have certain tools in my toolbox that I can use and I can then move out of that state if that's what I want, you know. I want to ask you about the workplace. So you guys have a very unique situation in that you're in the studio together. You can communicate with each other and you can both know without even saying a word that you're not feeling right. But for, for a lot of people in workplaces, um, it might be the source of their anxiety and they feel that they can't go in and say, I'm not feeling great today. And a couple of people have said to me about me or Brezzy or, you know, it's easy for us to kind of say, oh, I'm, I'm feeling really overwhelmed today because it's kind of our, th like, it's kind of our job. It's kind of <laughs> our personal brand. Whereas, Are you worried that if someday you, you wake up and you're, you're never anxious again, oh, that, Jesus, that, that your career is yeah. over? I know, Unemployed yeah. immediately. I know. Sometimes I'm like, oh, geez, I need a bit of a I, panic attack. I fixed anxiety. Oh, no. See you later. <laughs> see, I covered my ass by saying I'm never going to cure it. I just own it. Yeah. And some days you're just renting it. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. But some people say that, you know, it's not okay for me being like a, a solicitor or something to go into my client and and be vulnerable or or, or let that be known. So I, I'm kind of interested in like how to be vulnerable while still being professional. And is is it like how do you reduce the stigma? Because it's I think it's the workplace where change needs to happen for people. I think it's like from the top down that managers need to have something in place where 
staff have have a resource or something but like what do you think or what do you see in your workplace that works or doesn't work I'd be fearful that that there's tokenism like you know when a staff all staff email goes around and goes oh guys mental health is a thing uh, there's <laughs> some guy coming in next week to do something if you feel like you need it I don't know Jesus you know like that's often how it's dealt with yeah. you know as opposed but to nobody comes in no they don't no, no, I think yeah. that's even saying more <laughs> yeah that's true um, I, you know, I think it's the same right? we don't want to pick on our on our own company because you know they are they doing some very positive things <laughs> they, they are no best. they genuinely yeah. are actually um, but no there is a lot of tokenism about it and there's a, it's, it's very buzzwordy um, but it is still massively difficult for people to go into a workplace and admit a to their boss or to their colleagues that they took time off because they were burnt out. Yeah. And that phrase burnout, you know, it's again, it's another buzzword. It's great that people are talking about it. But in the workplace, if you're labeled with he's the burnout guy, don't give him too much because, yeah. you know, he'll be like, that's the reality, you know. And and I totally empathize with people who who are saying, what am I meant to do, you know? Um, and it is difficult. But mm-hmm. I think for me, it's finding the r- the right person to talk to in work is key. Um, and being able to share it with someone in your workplace. Mm-hmm. And if you feel like you can't, it's it's what you do around that workday and how you frame your workday, you know, is very important as well. So, if, so for instance, for us, if I'm thinking, well, I can't go into work Neither can Dave and sit in front of the mic and go, good morning, it's uh, Today FM, it's Dermot and Dave and um, I am so burnt out, I just cried in the car park. <laughs> yeah. You know, I said to you actually before we started recording that like, you know, our job as to be professional is to entertain. Like that's we're that's our literally what we're hired to do. So there are times in your show when you can be vulnerable and you can be honest about your emotions and like, I think that's one of the things that's given us prolonged success is that people know a lot about our personalities. And it isn't, a, it isn't what you get on the radio isn't a facade. Like, yeah. it's not, okay, it's a version of us or whatever. And, you know, you don't, but, you, but your job isn't to go in every day and go, today I feel sad, today I feel happy, today I feel, you just deliver your, your yeah. whatever it is you're doing. But so, so from a professional point of view, we kind of have to, perform you know and and that's actually i find that actually quite easy i find that the environment is right and then as german said you go into studio close the door red lights go on and you just perform but like graham norton couldn't do it he couldn't walk out not no. that we compare ourselves to graham norton but he can't <laughs> you know we can't he'll walk out on the stage and hey i've got some guests coming up but unfortunately i don't feel like talking to them uh you know because a lot of stuff from my childhood's coming up so um i don't know why and i was probably on medication there six months ago so but but Good night. <laughs> you know, I mean, that would be the most wor- wonderfully authentic thing. But, you know, same as Mary, who's completely burnt out between mm. kids and the, uh, you know, the office and everything. She can't walk into the solicitor firm and go, um, hi, clients. Yeah, you're going through a tough time. You're being sued. Uh, well, you know, so am I, actually. And um, <laughs> it's all and cry in front of them, you know. So. Yeah. It's about how how we manage it and it's the stuff we do outside of those Mm. stressful moments where we do have to put our game face on. That's the reality of life. And I think, sorry, just I think that that what what we're talking about there is the the outward expression of your job, right? So Mary is talking to clients. We're talking to the people who listen to us on the radio. I think internally, within the company, what's important is to put in place things and this is aspirational and not saying it exists in a lot of companies or even any companies but for example talk about meditation or run like a meditation space in a really busy office would go so much further than tokenly bringing in someone to do one one hour long yeah. talk on well hang on now well, well no no not I'm the guy now, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but if you think about it like imagine what that would do like for the the mental well-being of a of a group of 70 80 200 mm-hmm. people there's 8000 people working google down in barrow street like you know like if if those if you're able to as Dermot said earlier on if you're able to find silence in the madness perspective changes like yeah. i mean dave's right what it is it's about normalizing everyday mental health exercise and that is taking time out and finding space there's no point giving someone either a meditation room but then hammering them so much mm, with work and emails outside of hours and and setting i i mean i know companies that have 
have meditation rooms and quiet spaces and all that. But the ethos, the unsaid ethos is that if you're going in there, then you're a slacker and you're yeah. not a, you're not a team player. And if, what's wrong with you? Is there something? Oh Should we God. be concerned? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, it's the same reason that in Google nobody plays table tennis because they, they, they have too much. Their targets to are too high. Yeah. 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 Um, so you know, it's if you need to normalize daily mental health practices in a company, and that's the key. So whether that is, you know, insisting on on breaks, insisting that people take breaks, you know, that the if there is a quiet space that people are encouraged to go into it, that there are people who are, you know, welcomed into companies to talk about topics that maybe they wouldn't know about, that if people express an interest, you know, in exploring certain things that they can do that in their workplace, because it, it has to be a nurturing environment. And I, I think the way the world is, companies can't continue the way they're going because it's not a nurturing environment. Look at the burnout statistics. Look yeah. at the incredible amount of people, particularly in America, who are on medication, mm -hmm. you know, for anxiety. So it can't keep going. But as Dave says, it, it can't be tokenism. It can't be lip service. Yeah. And getting some guy like me in once to, to give a talk, but then for the rest of the year, it's go, 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 targets, targets, targets. And, you know, if you're if you're too weak, mentally to come to work well then maybe you're not the right person in the company I mean, that doesn't work some yeah. of the scandinavian countries and new zealand who have adopted in some places a four-day work week that came out of they were offered uh i think it was started off being a day a quarter they would just literally send an email and go dermot uh you're off next thursday we're telling you you're off like and they started pushing it was in sweden they started pushing out these a day a quarter per staff so they would just go every so four times a year you get an email and go you don't have to come into work on tuesday and the, the stuff still got done, projects still got succeeded. Like, and then they, um, they gradually this built and they realised as a nation, they went, we don't need to be in work five days a week. And they reduced it to four and productivity goes up. And look, and look like Scandinavian aspirational countries are one thing, you know, we, we all live in a different reality. But <laughs> no, <laughs> furniture and... <laughs> You go over Days there and you'll off. find out they're all miserable. You know what's really interesting, though, about the Scandinavian countries? I was listening to a podcast about, I think it was Denmark being the happiest country mm. in the world or something, and they have all this everyone's equal, like you earn the same money as you would a waitress if you were a CEO or whatever. But interestingly, it's not, it's not good, but they have a really, really high suicide rate. And apparently that they were sort of saying, they're hypothesizing that the reason that that is is because things are so good for them in their economy, in their work life, when they start to feel bad, they don't have anything to blame, but they blame themselves. Which I was like, well, what can we do then? You know, if you if you set up all that then and then people start to blame themselves for feeling bad because you're going to feel bad even if your life is great. That's something I really struggled with and something that a lot of people who have read the book struggle with is that you, they feel like they don't have a, re a good enough reason to justify their anxiety. And sometimes your life can be great. I have a great family, had a great job, great friends and everything and I still just didn't feel right and then you're beating yourself up about it. So I think that's another really important thing as well and that's where like the daily meditation could come in and the, the self-compassion, that kind of thing. So it's... It's in work, it's it's outside of work, it's your managers, how they all bring in stuff like that if they could. Um, and, and obviously then they'd still have to have that por portion of your outward professionalism that needs to stay. And it's, it is a work cultural thing and we're it's not going to happen overnight. It's no. going to take a long time. We certainly won't even be our generation that yeah. sees the benefit. But much like, you know, you know, we didn't all have computers at our desks 20 years ago and mm -hmm. now we take them for granted and carry tiny ones around in our hands in our pockets or whatever. Like, it, it will change ultimately productivity and profit is what motivates change in, in organizations and a happier workforce will long term i'm talking about generationally mm. will simply be more productive and more profitable so like it it's it will probably come around but mm. at the moment your your the re, your your reality is your reality and mm. if your boss is screaming at you because you need to meet targets for quarter 2 you've got to as german said you've got to try and find tools around that to buffer yourself and bulletproof yourself from that stuff because that's not going to change overnight. Absolutely. No. And again, there are statistics that will drive companies to do it. And the more people, the more companies that introduce it, the more others will follow. I mean, there's, there's a study with a finance company in the States called BlackRock and they did a really extensive um, meditation and wellness course and they introduced meditation and did prolonged courses over long periods of time with their employees. And 95% of employees who did meditation in the workplace said they would recommend it to a colleague. So that that's a massive endorsement. You know, 65% said they um, could manage themselves and their relationships in work better. I mean, they're, they're massive statistics, you know. So 
I do think it's it's a matter of time, but it's happening slowly. But it is happening, you know, it is happening yeah. more and more and because it has to really, you know. And before I let you guys go, what do you think specifically needs to happen to sort of close that gap a little bit between men and women in terms of being open about their vulnerability, their their mental health? Men speaking up is, is a major thing. I mean, as I said, like I, I had seen Dermot literally go through self-care. Brezzy was someone who I vaguely knew as a kind of a colleague who was very open about his vulnerability. And I think the more of us that can admit that publicly, can admit that, look, this is my situation, totally normal. It's totally fine. You know, I, I've learned how to deal with it I'm, or, or I'm dealing with it or I will always be doing whatever it is. And the more we talk about it, the more normal it has to become. And then there's the thing of starting it earlier, like we're talking about with our kids or whatever, but starting it in schools. Like, you know, it. The, it's only through, I think it's only through exposure that people will understand. Like, so if they see somebody that they like or somebody, their friend or... So it could be someone on the telly or whatever, and they go, oh, that person also sometimes feels like, eh. that totally normalizes it for you, you know. Or in the household, you talk about it and explain that not everybody feels this way all the time, and it's totally fine, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's the only way that men are going to become more open about how they feel, is if more men just talk about how they feel, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? I, I would say to any man who's wondering... You know, I, I definitely need something, but I just don't know what it is. You know, if I, yeah, for me, there's a great phrase, happy but not happy. I was sitting in a pub in Cork and I was watching the golf. The Masters was, was on. I was sitting by myself, just killing a few hours. And a guy sat down, we got, we got talking and he, through the conversation, I told him that I taught meditation and all that. And he said, well, that's, I'm, I'm thinking of maybe doing something like that because um, I'm happy, but I'm not happy. So on paper, he had you know, loving, lovely, loving wife. He had kids. He had his own architecture company. He had loads of money. He had spare time on his hands. Everything, all of the boxes seemed to be ticked. But for him, it was, there was just something missing, you know, and it was that happy but not happy. I think that's what a lot of people have, what, what most of us have. He won't have had the big anxiety yeah. episode. Um, or the big life trauma. The big trauma, yeah. yeah. You will just have a sort of a sense that you've lost connection with something. You know, um, and I think for us men, women are more uh, are quicker to, to jump in and, and try something. We kind of, you know, circle a bit and go, mm, I'm not sure if I would. So what I would advise any man who is happy but not happy to do is to try out everything. So it's like picking up a musical instrument or listening to music. You need to find something that resonates with you. So. Uh, try guided meditations. There's tons of them on YouTube. Try all, uh, read some books. Try try to experience as much of it as you can because you, you will hit on something or someone that inspires you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and just take that first step, as I was saying, just get yourself through the door. That's the big thing for men, you know. And I think as well, you might actually find that you already meditate, but you don't know it. Like, so a lot, a lot of people say, oh, I'd like to go for a run and clear my head. You're meditating, like yeah. you're just you're just doing it through running. Like for me, like I play the guitar, I play bass, and I literally sit in the dark with headphones on, and I close my eyes, and it's three hours later, and I haven't, not a, I haven't thought about anything. I've just played along to music. That's meditation. People go f- fishing, like you stand in the water and for hours, and you go, yeah, I love fishing. Oh, I wouldn't meditate. You're meditating, like you, that's what you're doing mm. because you're not talking to anyone. You're alone with your thoughts. You're just doing something repetitive and like it's not, it it doesn't have to be the kind of perception of meditation that is like, you know, OM or that word even meditation. Like you you just need to be doing something that like, I know there's stories of the Shaolin monks, whatever the kid was, some kid was told to empty a bucket of water or a a barrel of water with a small cup into it and he did it. And he came to his teacher and he said, I've done that in your moment. Cool, yeah, put it back. He's like, why? And he goes, because that's the thing. Yeah. That's what, the exercise isn't moving the water. The exercise is, what are you doing when you're moving the water? You're doing nothing. You're, you're just, your mind is just doing what it needs to do to decompress, to stop. 
just constantly firing, 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 go, go, go. Like as soon as you, like you, it doesn't have to be sitting cross-legged on the floor. It, you can find it in in something else. Yeah, you so know. you have to normalize meditation as well as normalizing totally, anxiety. Totally, yeah, because it yeah. is something and that people Time can. out, time for yourself, yeah. quiet time, you know, and you know, golf is massively important for me. Not because of the actual golf. I like the golf, but it's time in nature. It's four hours without my phone on. Um, it's usually time with friends. You know, your phone's never on. No, <laughs> you get. You know, you're getting fresh air. You're getting exercise. So yeah, Dave's totally right. If 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 the idea of sitting, you know, the word meditation frightens you. If you're not ready to go there, then find the things that you enjoy doing and. And that tick some of those boxes. And maybe there are things in your past that you used to do a lot more of. Guys are terrible for dropping stuff. You know, oh God, I used to be, used to do the old five aside, but sure, no, I don't know what happened mm. now. And I'm, God, I used to play golf, but sure, the clubs have been in the shed for, find the things that used to make you happy. Maybe there's a guitar in the attic that you used to play. Maybe you used to read a lot more. You know, maybe you used to do a, an evening run and that kind of just drifted away. Play a game of chess. I just did that this weekend and I was like, ah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could be anything, yeah. yeah. So start there. And, you know, and then if you find, wow, that stuff is actually really benefiting me, I'm ready to take this up a gear, you know, maybe then then maybe you're ready to, I'm going to try some guided meditations where I'm lying on my bed, I can handle that. And if I fall asleep, cool. Mm-hmm. Like start there, you know. And where can people find your meditation? Do you do classes or do you do just one-off events if people are interested? Uh, I have, uh, in 2020, I'm going to be doing events for the general public. Um, but at the moment, I'm just going into companies and, okay. and teaching there. So, so maybe hopefully someone listening will work in the company you're coming into. Uh, well, look, for me, it's a brilliant thr- thrill. Like you know, myself and Dave do comedy gigs to, you know, we've stood in the three arena in front of thousands of people, you know, <laughs> making them laugh. And the same week I did a meditation event in a company for 100 people in an insurance company. And I got more of a buzz out of that because seeing people take that first step and and having a room full of people who 10 minutes ago were stressed out at their desks in front of screens who are now all sitting with their eyes closed lovely and calm that for me is is huge because i know the difference that it's made in my life and the difference it's made in dave's life and so many other people mm. at the moment it's so accessible you know so yeah, and your um, smartphone is an amazing too like if you do take the step like you can download apps that are free and you don't have to subscribe or do whatever someone says go to youtube like there's there's so many ways to do it and so many ways to find whatever it is that like maybe it's it's literally going onto youtube and typing in rainfall and finding an eight hour Mm -hmm. rainfall video and hit play and maybe that's all you need you know that that will just put that on in your speakers or your headphones or whatever and all of a sudden That'll take you away. Like it could be, mm. yeah, it could be. Anything. But I'm, at Dermot Today FM, if you want to book him for oh, your DermotWhedon.com. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to book him for your meditation. I'm going to try my best now not to be a crisis meditator and take it into my life day by day, little bit by bit, so that when it does inevitably rise up again, which it always does because that's life. That is life. Then I'll be a little bit more able to kind of be a bit more resilient and be owning it even more. Dermot and Dave, thank you so, so much for joining me. I've loved chatting to you and I'm, I know that women as well as men but mostly men will really appreciate hearing two incredibly successful charming men talk about mental health and vulnerability because it's just so so important thank you so much thank you thanks for having us Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns. The easiest way to access owning it real time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for owning it real time and access a full library of 10 situation specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before. <laughs> 